Hey all you heroes and champions, crows, pirates, and inquisitors. Welcome to the Dragon Age Lorecast. I'm Shelby. And I'm Austin. And we are so excited to bring you this podcast. Every episode, we'll be talking about a different topic in the Dragon Age universe. From the Maker to Lyrium to Aravels, we will cover it all. There will be spoilers. And always remember, swooping is bad. Hey, Shelby. Hi, Austin. Are you ready to talk about some Dragon Age? I'm so excited for our topic today. All right. Well, today is our part two of the Dwarven Tigers or the Dwarven Empire in our Countries of Thetis series, which we're coming up on the end. We only really have one, maybe two more countries to cover. Mm-hmm. So last time we talked about Orzammar, which we're all fairly familiar with. It's the center of the Dwarven Empire and their kingdom and all of that. And we talked about that. So why part two? What else do we have to talk about? Well, we have two other great tags that we can talk about that do exist um, today. Oh. Yes. So... The first one is Cal Haral, and the second one is Cal Shirak. They sound similar, um, but honestly, they, they couldn't be more different. So, do you want me to just jump right in, Austin? Yeah, let's get going. Okay, so let's do Cal Haral first, since that one's, it'll be pretty short. Okay. Um, so, Cal Haral is pretty central to the story in Dragon Age Awakening. So, if you've played that one, you'll be kind of familiar with this story. If you haven't played this um, DLC, then you probably won't know any of this. But, um, in Dragon Age Awakening, you can either play as the Warden, your hero of Ferelden, or you can play as another Warden. But either way, you are in Amaranthine, and um, you're in the ancestral home of the Howe family. The Howe family is, you know, the Rendon Howe and Nathaniel Howe family. Like, they're all, mm-hmm. all of them. So... Throughout the story, you're defending Amaranthine, you're um, defending the the keep, you're doing all this stuff. And you discover that uh, the keep underneath it in the basements can, can be connected to the deep roads. And so you find these barrier doors that the ancient dwarves had um, constructed that are super like solid. Um, would keep out Darkspawn for like a really, really long time. And um, it's, it was just like a hair's breadth away from being completed. So in Awakening, you can fix these barrier doors, which then allows House Helmy, and you can meet, meet some of House Helmy in um, Dragon Age Origins when you go to Orzammar. That allows them to go back to Calharal clear out the rest of the dark spawn and retake this great tag for their family. And then that allows it to be connected back to Orzammar. Um, and throughout Dragon Age Awakening, we do go back to Cal Haral. There's some things, some quest things that you can do there. Um, but I'm not going to get into that since you can play the game for yourself. But Cal Haral was um, the center of the Smith cast 
and it was named for Paragon Haral, and it fell to the darkspawn during the first blight. So it has really been gone for a long time. So my last point that I have about Cal Haral is that as the ancient dwarves were evacuating from Cal Haral, about 500 castless dwarves were left behind. So not only do they leave behind all this smithing knowledge and probably weaponry and all this kind of stuff, they also leave behind a significant population, um, which is not okay. Um, but we know that this has not, this is not unique um, to the dwarves. There, there are very often um, times in the history where they've just had to leave people behind and the castless are going to be the first ones. They're like, okay, well, they can just go because as we know, they're at the bottom of um, the caste system for the dwarves. So right. that's a little bit about Cal Haral. Uh, I do have a couple of thoughts. Uh, not a lot because there's not a lot there, um, but I think I can save them because they'll play into our other tie we're going to talk to, and I can because they're more general okay. things that I'm talking about. So let's keep going. Okay. Well, don't forget the things you want to ask. Add. <laughs> I I won't. Okay, so let's move into Cal Chirac because I'm super duper excited to talk about this. Um, I think it's really interesting from a lore perspective and there's not a lot of information to be honest, but we can do some speculation. So mm -hmm. let's get into the main facts that we do have first though. So Cal Chirac is a great tag and it is the second of the two remaining um, great tags left in Thetis, of course, excluding Cal Haral. Um, but Cal Chirac and Orzammar are both way bigger than Cal, Cal Haral is. So Cal Chirac lies deep beneath the Hunterhorn Mountains, which are on the far west side of Thetis, um, close to Tevinter. Actually, I think on the west side of Tevinter. Um... Thousands of years ago, Cal Chirac was the capital of the Dwarven Empire. We talked about this last week, and it's moved to Orzammar. Um, because of Cal Chirac's proximity to Tevinter, they, the, the Dwarven Empire and Tevinter had significant trade established. Um, this changed a little bit when the capital was moved to Orzammar, um, but that's still really important. So let's dig into the ancient history a little bit, because this is really where Cal Chirac's fortune changes, if you will. So in the aftermath of the very first blight, the Darkspawn, of course, continue burrowing. They continue pushing underground, which really brought the Dwarven Empire crumbling around them um, because they had to close a lot of these smaller, remote tigs um, in an effort to save Orzammar, the king, King Threestone, basically just said, there's no way that Cal Chirac has survived 
we're closing the tunnels. That's it. We're going to protect Orzammar. But Cal Chirac had not been lost. So Orzammar, by doing that, one would think that they basically doomed them, which in, in some ways is true. Um, in other ways, they, you know, they found a way to survive. But the World of Thetis Encyclopedia tell, told me that Cal Chirac has had to do, quote, some very questionable things to survive. Not a lot of elaboration on that, but I find that interesting. So we'll just put that in our pocket. And it goes on to tell us that Cal Chirac has no direct access to the surface. And they have significantly fewer resources than Orzammar. So, when the Darkspawn invaded the very first time, um, you know, people obviously tried to retreat as best they can, but once Orzammar kind of closed in those passages, they have no connection to the surface and there's only so much they can do, right? So they suffered really heavy casualties, um, but it's also been suggested that Cal Chirac's isolation and their interaction with the Darkspawn during this time may have changed them in some unknown way. The encyclopedia goes on to say that descriptions of Cal Chirac dwarves are physically different than their fellow Orzammar dwarves. They're described as being pale and possibly tainted in a way that's difficult to describe. Do you know what that description just brings into my head? What? Sandal. Oh, interesting. He is really pale. Right. And, like, he is one of the only few, like, the lightest hair dwarf, really, that I've seen is kind of like a strawberry blonde with a little reddish in Bartran a little bit. Mm-hmm. I don't remember if there is, like, a blonde dwarf or, like, gray hair. I've seen gray hair, but you know what I mean? Like, but Sandal. Sandal has light hair. Well, well, Balin's pretty blonde, right? Maybe a little bit? Because I think that that kind of feeds the fan theory that, um, well, it's not just a fan theory. It's also a in-game rumor that Sandal is a um, secret love child of the um, Idukin family. Well, it would make interesting things, and this is definitely some speculation on this part, but dwarves, as we know, cannot be mages because of their natural resistance to magic. To lyrium. No, it's magic. It's not lyrium. But lyrium doesn't affect them the same way it affects everyone else. Right, right. And so what I was going to say is like over time with exposure to the taint, I feel like the dwarf's natural resistance would create some interest would create an interesting pairing between that. Yeah. Um, 
because we can talk about like the biological components of the taint, but the dark spawn are created when the magisters enter the fade. And so it is magical. The taint itself is magical in its essence. Right. That's a really good point that I had not considered. But it also makes me question, like, if that's the case, then what about Genlocks? What about what? What about Genlocks? Because, you know, all the different species, not species, but all the different kinds of darkspawn come from different brood mothers that came from the different kinds of people like dwarves or elves or kunari right i would in my like little kind of like theorizing that i'm making just on this information i would say that it's the influence of the brood mother that changes how the taint in- interacts with mm. everyone i mean because look at ruck Hmm. what about him he he is crazy and insane because of the taint. Right, he is. But but again, going back to the Kalshrock dwarves, like this whole pale skin thing, like every ghoul we've seen or every like blighted creature has been like a paler version of who they used to be. Right. It creates an interesting concept that a culture a culture could survive and adapt to the taint. Yeah. It's really interesting. And also because of their location, I really, really, really badly want to go to Kalsharok in DA4. Yeah. I mean, it's a possibility. It is a possibility. We've gone into the deep roads in every game. Yes, we have. Okay, so do you have any more thoughts about um, this little speculation piece with the taint? Uh, no, just my thoughts are more general. Concerning. Okay, I want, I want you to go on your thoughts after we talk about the modern era. Okay. Um, okay, so I have two more things to talk about before we um, get into your thoughts. So... Before we talk about modern era, I want to talk about one more ancient thing, and that would be Kadash Tig or Kadalash Tig. So, in a codex entry, it is revealed that um, we learn about Kadalash Tig, and we learn that Kalsharok destroyed this Tig. And if you have played Dragon Age Origins, and you have the Stone Prisoner DLC, which is the DLC that gives you the companion shale. This is like her loyalty quest or her mission, whatever you want to call it. So shale is a golem and she really wants to learn about like her history, who she was. Um, and I'm not really sure. I can't remember how the quest proceeds, but eventually we learn about this tag and learn that she has some connection to it. And so we go there. Um, and so when you go there in that game, you learn that the dwarves who lived in Catalash Tig sheltered elves who had fled from Tevinter after the destruction of Arlathan. The destruction, supposedly, was done 
um, in order to hide the fact that the dwarves aided the elves in order to protect the relationship of the Dwarven Empire with the Tevinter Imperium. The Orzammar Shaperit was and still is torn on whether to enter this terrible action into the memories. Which I just think is trash. Um, I, I have some major personal issues with the Shaperit, but we won't get into that right now. Um, so... Catalash Tig, that's where you go with shale and all the stuff. So eventually they build on top of it. Um, and that is Kadash Tig. And we'll talk about that a little bit more at our at the end of our episode. Right, right. Okay, so um the modern era, shifting into modern history a little bit. This is gonna be mostly tied to Inquisition. Um but, so in 941 Dragon, the dwarves of Cal Chirac involved themselves with the Inquisition. They first come into contact with the Inquisition via a war table mission. And this war table mission is called Dwarven Slaves in Venatory Hands. And I will be honest, I usually skim the like little paragraph descriptions about the war table missions and so I just kind of always assumed that these dwarves were just regular Orzammar dwarves. I don't think I put two and two together until doing research for this that these are Kalsharok dwarves and they're different which it makes sense because it's over in that area but I had just never put two and two together. But anyway so this war table mission um Basically, the Inquisitor decides to free some dwarves that are being held captive by the Venatori. However, upon reaching the slave camp, the Inquisition agents realize that the dwarves have already been freed. Um, because Cal Chirac sent their own people to rescue the dwarves. So then Cal Chirac contacts the Inquisition directly and says, hey, we'll help you against your fight against Corypheus if he is the one who brought on the taint and thus the darkspawn. So then they send an offer of help on their terms, which is another uh, war table mission. And that gives you the location of a Venatory camp close to um, Cal Chirac in the Deep Roads. So we already have a precedent precedent for like going to this area um, or at least getting close to Cal Chirac with all of these war table missions. So I'm hoping that we do get to go there in the next game. So um, the Dwarven Merchants Guild does send emissaries to Cal Chirac, but they have heard no news from the delegation since which leads them to believe that they are dead. Mm. Interesting. It is so interesting. Okay, okay, now you can go. So my first thought deals with a lot of the general state of Thetis, post-Inquisition. Okay. So there's very much a... Uh, 
as united as Thetis can be is probably during the events of Inquisition. Of each country kind of having its hand in the Inquisition and fighting Corypheus. Okay. Um, and so like in our real history, when these united fronts of war or conflict come together, yes, the world might be united in this as much as the world can be united. Um, but then when it's over, everyone goes their separate ways and they tend to their own issues that they're having. And right. we kind of, we see that, you know, uh, Parvalin and Tevinter return to their war, then their not war, and then their war again. Ferelden goes back in on itself trying to rebuild because it's now had two major com- conflicts within a decade. Um, Orlais goes in to rebuild and to deal with its civil war and all the empire about that that goes around there. Navarra, Ravain, and Tiva, I'm sure are all, they had their own problems with the rifts and everything like that. Um, the free marches is just a mess. Right. I mean, especially, especially if you spared Anders and Sebastian is basically wreaking havoc on the free marches during the entire events of Inquisition. Right. Um, and so, but I, want, I wonder if the Dwarven Empire we're going to see, if we see one at all in Dragon Age 4, is going to be vastly different than the one we've encountered before. And I say this because so much is happening that, you know, in a way they are, there's a reclamation of tithes that is happening in the Dwarven, like, cities right now. Uh, at least from my perspective, like, you, can't, you don't really reclaim Ortan Tig, but you went there and came back, which is to say something. Um, and then you, we have the tie, the greater tie of Calharal, you know, coming, coming back and the Dwarven Empire expanding. Mm -hmm. And so I wonder if we're going to see like a more secluded Dwarven Empire than we have in the past because they're focused on rebuilding their empire. And there's got to be a point of like Orzammar can't deny that it's the only tie, can't assert that it's the only tie that exists now. Right, because literally everyone knows, right? No, not everyone, but Tevinter knows that Kalshrock exists with the Venatori. The leaders of the Inquisition know, which means all the other countries know. With the exception, maybe, of, like, Antiva and um, Ravane, but, like, Freldon, Orlay, Navarra, Free Marches, they all have people that are high up in the Inquisition. Right. And I wonder if, like... Because we know Solus is going to play some antagonist role. He might right. not be a, a straight villain, but he's going to play some, like, antagonist role in this new game. Um, and so I'm wondering if, like, 
his first thing to do is like, okay, I'm going to destroy the world where I'm going to, I'm going to destroy Taventer first. Mm. Interesting. Because I mean, Taventer enslaves his people. Taventer right. is the boogeyman of the ancient age. Of um, every age. Right. And so I wonder like, from what we've learned here, at least in these two episodes, the dwarves have this close relationship with Taventer. They might not be ally, like full blown like allies, but they at least tolerate each other. Mm-hmm. And so, or at least Taventer and the Chantry bankroll the Dwarven Empire in a way because of the trade. I mean, yes, but I don't even think you can call it an empire anymore. Right. So do you mean Orzammar? Yes. Yeah. And so would Solus view this as like participating in the destruction of the elves? Because those, Taventer and the Chantry are the two people directly most responsible for the destruction of the elves, whether Solus uh, blames it on the elven gods or not. Well, I do think that if Solus blames dwarves for any destruction of the elves, it's going to be Kalsharok before it's Orzammar because they specifically destroyed a dwarven and elven tag mm-hmm. to preserve their relationship with Taventer. Right. And that's kind of where I was going like this. So like, I'm just very curious to see, are we going to see an Orzammar and Kalsharok and dwarven culture like we know it? Or is it going to have changed and adapted mm-hmm. in these this time? And we still don't know. Like, you know, we could be... A, we could jump forward a number of years and be, you know, near the end of the Dragon Age. That's true. For DA4. I mean, because we, what, Inquisition ends in 950-something, 940-something? I don't know the exact date. I'm sorry. I'm pretty sure it's where it, like, we end in the middle somewhere of the Dragon Age. Mm-hmm. Close to it, yeah. Yeah. And so maybe this event creates the name of the New Age. It's possible. It's Uh, definitely possible. And, you know, we do have the option of establishing a chantry in Orzammar. Right. And that thing, that little tiny quest is in the Dragon Age keep with the tapestry and anything. So it just makes me wonder, like, is that going to come back in some way? Right. Yeah, we'll see. We'll see. Well, do you think now is a good time to take a break? Yeah, let's go ahead and do that. Okay. All right. Hello, welcome to the middle of the show where we take time to just let you know what's going on. And so we don't have any reviews to read today. And so this will be pretty quick. I just want to remind you that uh, we do have a Patreon set up. You can check it out to check out the different tiers and rewards that you can get from there you can contribute as little as five dollars a month as and to as much as a hundred dollars a month if that's something feasible that you can do and if you can't contribute always just go and leave us a review on apple podcast um, that is the best way to support the podcast in other ways than financially is to just leave us a review a five-star review tell us what you like um, and we'll read your review on the show we will i also wanted to add austin Um, so we're getting ready to wrap up our season one, uh, in probably the next month, month and a half or so. And 
it's kind of crazy. We'll have been live by six months by that point. Um, but that being said, we're going to take a short break over Christmas where we can prep and get ready for season two. So our, here's our plan for season two. We plan to talk about factions and maybe do some deep dives on your favorite characters. So if you want to recommend a topic, a main character, or even a side character, you can either post it on Twitter, you can DM us on Twitter, you can post it in our Robots Radio channel, or you can email us at dalorecast.com. But if you join our Patreon, some of the tiers you can suggest a topic that we will do and that is more than just a suggestion. Um, so if you send us one like on social media or whatever, we may or may not do it. But if you're a patron and you send us one, then we will get to it eventually. Yeah. All right. Well, let's get back into it. Okay. So last thing I have to talk about with Cal Chirac is the culture. And the culture uh, differs significantly from Orzammar, which I think makes total sense, right? Like they're separated, they're apart, like they're apart from the from each other on different sides of the continent. But Orzammar is much more impacted by the surface and the culture of the people that they trade with. Again, that makes total sense. But because of all of this, the Dwarven language in Kalsharak is different even than in Orzammar. So let's get into some major cultural distinctions. First, and probably most significantly, Kalsharak does not recognize the paragons of Orzammar. And they even elect their paragons differently than Orzammar does. The paragons are not depicted in giant statues in a great hall. Instead, they're massive wall carvings that span entire lengths of the deep roads. They are also nominated on the basis of their promised deeds, not their past deeds. So basically, it's more of like, you have the potential to be great in, in Kalsharak instead of you have achieved greatness in Orzammar. That's interesting. It is very interesting. It makes me sad that my Dwarven Warden is not recognized as a paragon in Kalsharak. That's fair, but he could always move to Kalsharak and have a lot of potential that they see in him. That's true. And they should, because he's awesome. He, I'm sure he is. I'm sure he is. Okay, so um, let me tell you about a similarity real quick. They do share the concept of the Legion of the Dead, like the group that goes in to fight the Darkspawn in the Deep Roads. But in Cal Chirac, they are called the Rock Knockers, which is interesting. That is interesting. It's kind of giving me a picture that, like, if Orzammar really met Kalsharok, like, they would look down at them, on them, the kind of way that Orle looks down on Ferelden. Oh my gosh, yes, I totally agree with that. That's a really good comparison. Which makes me like Kalsharok even more. Better? <laughs> yeah, it makes <laughs> me like them more than Orzammar. That just shows my bias in the Orle and Ferelden conflict. Yeah, that's true. 
Um, okay, so like I always do, I brought a codex entry. Um, this one is called Trading with Cal Chirac, and it is from, I believe it's from Dragon Age Inquisition. Um, it's kind of long, so bear with me for just a second. My approach was carefully observed. This was not a tie unused to watching its boundaries. I got the impression that if I'd been one of his Orzammar cousins, our meeting would have been swift and bloody. That is, if I'd even been allowed to find the passage at all. As it was, he was polite and efficient, and he knew well the current market for everything he offered. Clearly, their isolation is not because of fear, and certainly not disinterest. Among his wares, I saw the latest fabrics of Val Royale and volumes by a free marcher poet three centuries dead. This only added to my doubt of the official year of Cal Chirac's rediscovery as declared by the assembly of Orzammar. I didn't mention this to my host. As curious as I was, there was an undercurrent I found unsettling. I must stress that he and his helpers were professional and honest throughout, but there was something else I can't quite describe. While he remained hooded the entire time, he looked me square in the eye when our deal was struck, unashamed. I lived through a time of blight. I felt the gaze of a gray warden and seen the corruption of his prey. Why I remembered that in that moment, I still can't explain. And that's a codex, um, and it ends, it says, On meeting Novus Sturhold in Calcherock, excerpted from the journals of Sir Evrain Abernash, noble merchant scholar. So two big things for me. Fascinating things, right? Yes, right. Two big things. One, it makes me feel like Cal Chirac would, like, now kind of looks at Orzammar as if, like, well, you're not really dwarven. Like, you're too surface mm. world. That's interesting. I was, I was thinking a little bit differently than that, that Cal Chirac looks at Orzammar as, like... And well, I guess this could kind of tie into you, but like they're kind of like your cousin that moves. Um, you if you grew mm-hmm. up in a small town, it's kind of like your cousin that moves to New York City and or thinks Chicago. that or Chicago, which we did. Um, <laughs> we're the cousins, anyway. Um, that, that moves to the big city and like thinks they're too big for their britches, and then they mm-hmm. come back home to visit and they treat everybody around them like they're better than you. You mean like the plot of Sweet Home Alabama? Exactly like the plot of Sweet Home Alabama, also one of my favorite movies. Yes. Um, and this this kind of excerpt kind of gives me a more more theories on what's going on with like the difference in dwarfs in Cal Chirac because of what they uh, describe here of... I've lived through the time of blight. I felt the gaze of a gray warden and seen the corruption of his prey. Why I remembered both in that moment, I still can't explain. Which makes me think that 
so all gray wardens have the taint. They're all they're technically ghouls, I guess. Technically, a, technically I guess str- sure. I guess maybe. Um, but they create. But a ritual or whatever was discovered by uh, mixing the archdemon's blood in it and. If you survive that process, you gain the power to sense Darkspawn and, like, gain a connection to the Archdemon. Okay. What does that have to do with this? What if the dwarves developed this ability due to their natural resistance to magic? And basically, the Kalsharok dwarves are an entire greater tide of people with great great warden warden abilities. That's fascinating. It would make me wonder... What, um, like, what about the Orzammar dwarves, right, that are Grey Wardens? Like, could they go and become super Grey Wardens, basically? Right. Well, I wonder if, like, it makes me wonder, like, because there are Grey Wardens in Tevinter. Like, I'm not just making mm-hmm. that up, right? Like, they, they exist in Tevinter. They have to. Right. I feel like Grey Wardens in the Deep Roads, if, like, Kalsharok is a tig that is just completely full of dwarves that have the taint, like, I feel like the Grey Warden senses would be going off the charts. But I guess if they're in the Deep Roads, you know? That's true, but also, what if it's not, like... I don't know how this works, you know, like what if right. it's levels to the taint, right? Like, you know, you have a, a dark spawn, like, okay, that's a hundred percent. That's like pure level taint. But what if you have something lower than that? That's, that's not quite totally dark spawn yet. Like I'm thinking back to, um, one of the books where they go into the deep roads. Is it the calling maybe when, um, with the architect, like, I'm thinking of the Grey Wardens that he basically changed into Darkspawn. Like, they don't recognize that they've been changed into into Darkspawn or into ghouls, right. whatever, until, like, it's already happened. Um, so, I don't know. And there's the Grey Warden in the Legacy DLC. Lorias, yeah. Yeah, lots of interesting um, speculation that we could probably continue to talk about for another hour and a half right well let's do you have anything else on cal Chirac? no that's all i've got all right well we've got some uh lost tigs fallen tigs to talk about we do so let's start with kadash since i teased this earlier um kadash tig is built upon the ancient settlement of Cadalash tig so that, again, just to review, that was the tag that was destroyed by the Kalsharok Dwarves for harboring elves. The tag was rebuilt and named for um, House Kadash, and it was their home. And if you play a Dwarven Inquisitor in Dragon Age Inquisition, you are part of the Kadash family. You've since, you know, you're not from Kalsharok or anything, like your family is now part of the Carta. Um, but like that's, it's still the same family. 
Um, and then my other little point about this one, this tag, is that there is like a huge stone statue that was built um, in the tag, in the fallen tag, to honor all those who had sacrificed their lives to become golems. Hmm. Which I think is meaningful. Yeah, definitely. So let's skip to Valimar, which um, all of these are related to Inquisition. This is a super Inquisition heavy uh, episode. But so in Valimar is a former dwarven trading post that fell to the Darkspawn and it's now used as a Carta hideout. It's located under the Hinterlands and you can go there multiple times um, in Inquisition, most notably. Um, you go there because that is where Bianca Davry has been studying Red Lyrium, um, which she, spoiler alert, accidentally gives the location of a bunch of Red Lyrium to Corypheus. Um, so that's fun. Um, but so we go there to kind of stop all of that in Inquisition. Um, and I think there's another quest that happens in Balamar too, or maybe at least near it. Um, but that's in Inquisition. Yeah. And then the last Fallen Tide to talk about today is called Cal Reparta. And, um, this is a really interesting one to me. And it took me like three times playing through Inquisition to even do this quest. Because by the time I unlocked the Hissing Wastes, I was so over it, um... But Cal Reparta is a lost dwarven tag that lies on the surface in the area known as the Hissing Wastes. So in the dwarven language, it, it, it means a place where we may meet in peace. So several hundred years before the first blight, quite a few dwarven houses left their tags to escape war and they emerged from the deep roads and sealed their exit. They were led by the paragon Phyrell, and he was a master smith and a super talented shaper of runes. And what they did is that they settled on the desert of the Hissing Wastes, where they built the only known dwarven colony on the surface. This surface colony remained unknown to the rest of their kind, who, according to the memories, believe that they died in the Deep Roads. The Inquisitor can uncover this tag in Dragon Age Inquisition. And I did this recently again, and I just thought it was really meaningful. Um, you know, they basically want to escape war and this, like, infighting and conflict among their people. And that's what they did. And now, now it's abandoned. But... Um, it was it was an interesting interesting twist into dwarven history. I have only done that quest once because I'm not the biggest fan of run all over the map to yeah. these different locations. But it's the way you do fight the dragon in the hissing ways. Yes. So I'll probably yes. do it again in my next playthrough or my current playthrough. Which are you ever going to get back to? Yes, when we finish our Mass Effect stuff. We? Anyway, look, a lot is happening. You know, we're playing, we're playing through Mass Effect. Skyrim Anniversary Edition has I come know. out. There's just a lot going on. And I'm playing through Mass Effect for the first time, so. Yes. 
He's helping uh, me. <laughs> I do have a surprise tie. Oh, okay. Um, it's not real. It is a lost tie and a fallen tie. Um, but it's Tighedron. Mm, tell me about um, it. So this is the tie that we go to in the Descent DLC. Oh, yes. Um, so uh, just a little quick information about because there's not a lot known about it, but there are some interesting things. Um, this tie was built before the first blight, as most of them were. Mm-hmm. Um, it served as an important lyrium mining source for the dwarves. Which makes sense because, you know, all the Descent DLC is all about, like, what's happening in the Lyrium mines. It is dedicated to Paragon Hedron of the Deep, who remains, who remains are entombed under a massive stone statue located at the center. Okay, so it is also known that in ancient times, an incident involving creatures that wear faces of the dead disturbed the mining operations and warranted direct military intervention by the King of Orzammar himself. What? Yes. Well, this whole thing that's like they wear the faces of, faces the, of dead, the dead. It kind of reminds me of the dwarfs we meet in the DLC for the descent. The um lyrium infused dwarfs. Oh. Oh yeah, what are their names? I can't remember, but I'll have to look that up. Um That's really interesting. Um, so, uh, century later, members of the Legion of the Dead would often visit the ruins. Once they encountered a rock wraith in the old mine shaft near the Tig, um, and they in Hedron Tig, they found a former prison of an archdemon below it. And filled with corpses of Darkspawn who had died while praying to their god. Wow. Yes. Um, and then so you might remember Tychedron in this CLC because Tychedron is the location of several gears that open doors in that DLC. Mm-hmm. Um and one fun fact about those gears is even though they are in the deep roads, uh, the gears are made of a metal that even Shaper or Volta cannot recognize. Yes, I remember that. Anything else about this tag? No, that's all I can really get. Okay, well, are you ready to move into our side character for the day? I am. All right, this one's a fan favorite. Today, we are going to be talking about Sigrun from Dragon Age Awakening. And a lot of people really love Sigrun. Austin hasn't finished Awakening, so he doesn't know as much about Sigrun as some of the other characters. Just saying. I know literally nothing. (sighs) Okay, well, let me tell you. Okay. (laughs) So Sigrin is a castless dwarf and a scout in the Legion of the Dead. And we meet her. She's literally about to die. Like, she's being overwhelmed by Darkspawn. And the party in Awakening kind of saves her life. um, And she ends up becoming a Grey Warden. Um, 
but she was born in Orzammar. She lived with her mom and um, her, like, siblings or whatever. But, you know, that's a not, not a great life. So she eventually became a thief. And a local store owner named Misha caught her stealing but was sympathetic to her. And so this is a person that kind of helped um, Sigrun out in her life. And this is part of her companion quest. Later, they, they get reunited and um, can talk and you can kind of help them. But I'm not going to get into that since you can play that quest yourself. But eventually, um, Sigrun has an encounter with Barat. If you remember, he is the head of the Carta. Um, basically, what happens is that a statuette um, was stolen and Barat forced Sigrun to hide the statuette in Misha's shop. But according to Sigrun, Barat threatened to kill Misha if Sigrun didn't do what he told her to. So eventually it was discovered and Misha was exiled to the surface, um, even though she really could have been executed for the crime. But Sigrun was too afraid to admit that she was responsible for this crime because Barat would have killed her. So Sigrun then joins the Carta herself. Um, and she was really doing well for herself before she, um, until she decided to steal a ruby encrusted purse from Damira Helmi. Helmi is the family that takes back Calharal. So, um, she, you know, she gets chased throughout the commons and she gets caught. So it was either execution or the Legion of the Dead and Sigrun chose the Legion of the Dead. So, eventually Sigrun makes her way to meeting the hero of Ferelden. And I'm not really going to sum up everything that happens in Awakening because, you know, we, we can play that. But Sigrun does um, survive her joining and she becomes a full-fledged Grey Warden. The hero of Ferelden or your Warden Commander can um, encounter... Sigrun can encounter Misha and they kind of have an argument. But the Warden Commander can help Sigrun make amends. Um, and that's just, you know, part of her side quest, part of her... Um, part of her story, I think right. Sigrun really looks at Misha more as a mom than her actual mom. So here are some fun things, fun facts about Sigrun. So Sigrun is the first and only female dwarf companion to date. She is technically a rogue, but has like the strength and constitution of a warrior, which makes her an awesome companion in the game. Um, she, when she joins your party, she's complaining about a broken rib. And when she joins your party, she will be afflicted with the injury broken bone, which gives penalties to dexterity, which I just think is hilarious. Like that's such like, such a little thing that they thought was important enough to include in her character. Mm -hmm. Um, so if 
if you import your save um, from Origins as a dwarf commoner, Sigrin will know you and will be in awe of you. And she'll say, oh, you're the duster that left to join the Grey Wardens. And we'll even ask the commander to sign her helmet. That's funny. I know. I love it. So if, if a save is imported from Origins with a dwarf noble, Sigrin again will recognize the warden and say that she heard of the warden's death in the Deep Roads. And the quote is, um, oh, no, sorry. I don't have the quote. Sorry. Oh, well. The quote is unknowable. <laughs> I mean, it's not. You can play the game. Right. Yeah. Um, and then in Dragon Age 2, during um, the quest, The Paragon's Heir, if Anders is in your party, he will comment that he once knew a dwarf from the Legion of the Dead, which is Sigrun. Hmm. Interesting. Um, I just really like Sigrun. I know that she's a fan favorite because she just has a funny and unique personality. Um, last week we talked about Dagna. Dagna is very like spunky and naive and funny. And I feel like Sigrun is, has a similar-ish personality, but is like jaded and Mm -hmm. she's not naive and she knows what it's like to live in the world. But she still is humorous in that same kind of way that Dagna is. Um, And so I really appreciate the character of Sigrun because they don't just make her into this like angry, bitter, hateful kind of companion, which they easily could have. Like she has every right to be that way. Just like Velana is that kind of companion who also has every right to be that way because they've suffered through really hard situations in life. They've been kicked when they were down, you know? Um, but, but Sigrun, she doesn't really give into that kind of negativity, um, which I really appreciate about her character. Right. Um, so where is Sigrun now? It depends on what the warden commander does at the end of Awakening. Um, basically, if you don't do her companion quest, she just kind of leaves your party and goes off to become a Grey Warden. If you... Don't do her companion quest and you spare the architect. She basically opposes you and vanishes into to, into the deep roads where she dies. Mm. Uh, if you do complete her companion quest and basically check the right dialogue stuff, she will stay with the commander, um, joking about her death. Of course, that's what she always does. Um... If the Warden defends the city of Amaranthine without Sigrun, she is the one that leads the battle against the Darkspawn during the attack on Vigil's Keep. Um, Once again, she and Allegion faced the Darkspawn with no hope of survival, but this time she didn't run. So, and then if the Warden doesn't recruit Sigrun among the Grey Wardens, Sigrun leaves Calharal for the Deep Roads um, to fulfill her duty as a Legionnaire of the Dead. So, um, many years later, apparently a group of Grey Wardens battling in the roads recounted a perky little dwarf fighting alone and mumbling of her death. 
which I think is so cute. But basically, if you make her a Grey Warden, then I believe she is still alive into into the present. Right. So there's quite a few different routes that you can take this character. Um, but Bioware has a habit of bringing DLC companions or characters back into the next game. So we'll see. Um, people really, really, really want a fully romanceable dwarf companion in Dragon Age 4. Yes, they do. I really want that as well. I'm not just people, but people and me <laughs> really want that. I see that all the time on the Dragon Age Reddit. Right, right. Well, we've gotten every other race. It's kind of unfair that we don't have dwarves. I know, I know. I think mostly people are also bitter about Varric. No offense. Right. Um, but it's understandable. It's understandable. But, yeah. So, if you don't have anything else you want to talk about for Sigrin or even uh, the other stuff we talked about, I think that's all we've got. Um, that's all I have. All right. Thanks for listening to the Dragon Age Warcast. Thanks for listening to the Dragon Age Lorecast. As always, you can find us on Twitter at DA Lorecast. If you have any lore questions, topics to unpack, or side character suggestions, email them to us at DALorecast at gmail.com. The Dragon Age Lorecast is a part of the Robots Radio Rocket Club. You can join the Robots Radio Network Discord by clicking the link in our episode description. If you enjoyed our show, we'd love it if you'd subscribe and give us a review. See you next time. Have you ever wanted to deep dive into the lore and stories behind all your favorite Marvel movies? Then do we have the show for you. I'm Captain Shanko. And I'm Psych88. Join us as we dissect the media megalith that is the MCU. We'll talk about the origin stories, the fights, and everything in between. The MCU Lorecast releases on all major podcasting platforms on Mondays as part of the Robots Radio Rocket Club and can be found on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram.